to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com hey slutty scholars remember the more you support the advertisers the more you support the podcast if you can't tell i love to advertise things that i hope will help you find more pleasure in your life I'm excited to share my collaboration right now with Back to the Body, and there's a discount for you in the episode description. Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Their retreats are in some amazing places like Hawaii, France, and Costa Rica. Uh, If y'all remember my episode with Pamela Madsen, uh, we talk about my awesome experience at a Back to the Body retreat, so you can check it out and hear a little bit about what it's like. Pamela and her team at Back to the Body use their expertise to guide you through a transformative whole body healing journey that's individually tailored to fit your specific needs. To find yourself, you just have to bring your body. The new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women is a cool chance to learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz and unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's Back to the Body, B-A-C-K-T-O, T-H-E-B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description, plus that special discount code for their retreats. And on the subject of pleasure, how about some more absolutely free stuff? Well, it is my birthday next Friday, June 2nd, and I want to invite you to a free live event that I will be speaking at. I am partnering with Katie Sampaio, founder of Thrive Life Coaching and Transformational Retreats, and nine other incredible experts at the Thriving in Purpose Live virtual masterclass on Friday, June 2nd. You can sign up at Rebrand dot ly slash sluts underscore scholars but don't worry the link is in the episode description so come celebrate with me as i talk about sex magic aka using pleasure as a way to create the life you want and increase confidence and it's not just magic as you hopefully know from listening to my show research shows that having a pleasure or play practice has a multitude of benefits that are necessary to our well-being and our survival Do you want to learn more and dive a little deeper with me? Make sure to snag your free spot in the Thriving in Purpose Masterclass on Friday, June 2nd, my birthday. I'll be speaking at this event again with nine other powerful experts to teach you in just one day how to create a life filled with more purpose, joy, connection, and more. If you are ready to tap into your true power and stealth boldly into a purpose-driven life that excites you, snag your free spot at rebrand.com. Dot ly slash sluts underscore scholars. That's rebrand dot ly backslash sluts underscore scholars. But don't worry, the link is in that episode description, and I'm excited to see you live on Friday, June 2nd. Now to the episode. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome a podcast from the Pleasure Podcast fam, Multi Amory. Jace, Emily, and Dedeker created the Multi Amory podcast in 2014 to raise awareness, provide approachable resources, and combat the stigma faced by people in non traditional relationships. Today, with hundreds of episodes, millions of downloads around the world, and a rapidly growing community, they are dedicated to offering practical advice and communication tools grounded in the latest relationship research, guest experts, and years of professional experience. Multi-Amory has been featured in numerous publications, including NPR, Vice, Huffington Post, Oprah Daily, Cosmo, Elle, 
Uh, in addition to their national tours, they have presented at the Google campus in Seattle and have been keynote speakers and presenters at numerous conferences. Welcome, Jace, Emily, and Dedeker. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Woo! Okay, so something I'm doing on this season of the podcast is asking folks about the most pleasurable thing they did recently. <gasps> so it can wow. be sexual or it can be <laughs> something totally unrelated. So um, mm. Dedeker, let's start with you. Ooh. Oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> so uh, like, I will be honest, probably the most pleasurable thing I did recently was sexual, but I don't want to necessarily dive into the gritty details of that right now. Um, oh gosh, most pleasurable thing I did recently. Actually, I literally just got back from a walk with Jace. We're, we're up in Seattle and it's like the first actually sunny day in about 200 years what? in Seattle. Like <laughs> first time I've broken a sweat. And so we were just like out and like put my arms out like in the sunshine and like listening to the birds. And that was extremely pleasurable. Mm. Sounds sounds nice. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's erotic. I'm like, I'm into it. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. That's so funny because I do find that, um, especially for my years of traveling, where like sometimes I would go from like a very frigid climate when it was the winter time to like somewhere in the southern hemisphere where suddenly it's very warm or somewhere more equatorial. And there is, I find for myself like this kind of the body wakes up again. It's like, oh right, I am a sexual being, right? <laughs> and, and it's a great feeling. I just had someone on the show talking about eco-sex. So this is very relevant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. Since uh, I believe that she comes first, uh, Emily. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> <What>? that. <laughs> yeah, I... Sorry, Jace. <laughs> yeah, Jace will get his turn. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to break my partner's consent, but I will say that it, it was his birthday recently. And so we got to do some of his fantasies for his birthday, which was very fun and very pleasurable for both of us. So that was probably the thing that jumped to my mind immediately. And mm. it's nice to kind of have like a celebratory time around that, but then also get to do that whenever, you know, whenever it strikes your fancy and but also have like a a fun and sort of, I guess, specific time in which to fulfill those fantasies as well. Oh man, I'm like thinking of, what's the fantasy? (laughs) It could be anything you want it to be. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Love it. Jace, how about you? Uh, Yeah, you know, what's funny is first I was going to go with the warm weather because it is just such a treat here, (laughs) but I'll actually say it was... um, we were, you know, putting on our prettier clothes for this video call here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, Dedeker and I were both in the closet and, you know, she like gave me a hug or something. I was like, oh my gosh, your hand is freezing. I was like, wait, can you touch my nipples with that? <laughs> so she just kind of like put her cold hand on me. I was like, ooh, oh man. <laughs> Love that. So it's so funny. I, I have to point out the fact that we're all, when it comes to talking about sexual details, we're all a little bit like coy and a little bit coquettish, which is so funny since we're also on the Pleasure Podcast Network. But the thing <laughs> is that, you know, we've been running our own show, which is about non monogamy, polyamory, alternative relationship styles. And so often the misunderstanding we get hit with is that you have sex all the time. Yes, you have sex all the yeah, time. It's all about right. group sex, it's all about orgies. And so, the weird irony is that we talk about sex very little on our show, actually, mm-hmm. especially not in graphic detail. I think because we're, we're, you know, not trying to be sex negative, but we are trying to get away from that stereotype, right? And also, totally. we have a lot of people in our audience who are on the ace spectrum or the aromantic spectrum, mm-hmm. right? You know, some people who would be turned off by a show that's all about what sexy yeah. stuff we got up to over the weekend. So it's funny that that's, that's kind of a habit we've all developed of just kind of... Right. Um, being very behind the veil when it comes mm. to talking about our sex lives in graphic detail. And you know what? Who says that warm sun on the skin is not sex and sensual or that cold too. hand on the nipples? Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sensual person, so I'm like, you're speaking my language. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing. And mm-hmm. that's t- sort of the reason that I ask the question in the way that I do is um, you know, if you're tuning in for the first time, go check out some of the other episodes on this, um, and I'll put them in the show notes. But I think I really like to expand the definition of sex and pleasure to go beyond, you know, the overt. And so to me, a pleasure practice is important. And I like to encourage people to not just have their menu be so narrow as to sex and in, in the traditional sense or genitals. So I almost encourage non-sex stuff, but you know, a lot of my guests are like, 
you know, into the sluttery for sure. And you can certainly be a sure and not have sex, but uh, all pleasures are welcome. So thank you for sharing. No, I, I love that. That's something that I find myself talking to my clients about a lot is like expanding the palate, right? Exactly. Expanding beyond all the stuff that like Cosmo suggested that you do into stuff that's weird or non-traditional or unconventional in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Well, so speaking of non-traditional stuff, um, that's kind of how you all got started was in this, in your own sort of quote unquote, non-traditional relationship. So let's just talk about it for a second to kind of set the stage for folks. So how did y'all's like relationship dynamics start? And, and tell me a little bit about how it's evolved over time. Yeah. I mean, Jason and I were initially in more of a traditional relationship setting. He and I were monogamous for a number of years. And then we had a brief breakup and decided kind of within a week of should we or should we not stay together that, yeah, we were interested in staying together, but we wanted to also explore dating other people as well. And he talked to me a bit about this thing called polyamory and non-monogamy. I mean, did you... Not at first. I didn't even know that word at first. Really? Okay. We kind of started doing this open thing and then through yeah. meeting people and getting books recommended to us, you're like, oh, there's names for this. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then what I would say maybe six months after that or so, Jace, we met mm-hmm. uh, two people through OkCupid. And one of them was Dedeker. And one of them also was the person that I was dating, who was Dedeker's partner at the time. And so through that, Dedeker and I started dating as well. We became kind of a triad situation. And well, it was a quad pod- at first. It was like yeah. before the podcast came into I existence. Tried to, I try to put that out of my mind a little <laughs> bit, but no, but yeah, the I would say that the triad was a little bit more successful than the quad. But I we we created the podcast through that as well because we found that there wasn't very much great relationship advice for people in non-traditional relationships out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe one other podcast at the time. And Jace was really excited about the prospect of creating a podcast. He was like, why don't we do this? We're like, what's a podcast? What? (laughs) This was back in 2014. There really weren't that many out um, at all besides, yeah, this one other non-monogamy podcast in this realm. So from there, you know, the rest is history, I guess. Which is always so funny for me to look back on because when I think about the advice I would give to that younger self who's in this position of, <laughs> yeah, like I've, I've known these people, I've been dating all these people for like less than a year, but we're going to embark on this grueling, labor-intensive creative project together that's also going to become a business where we're going to be financially entangled. Mm, like, I'm is that a good sure idea? we didn't know that it was <laughs> no, going to lead we didn't to all know, of that. Right? No, we didn't know. Somehow but still, like, my advice to my younger self would be like, maybe hold off on that. Maybe you should see <laughs> if these relationships are actually stable first before getting involved in this big labor-intensive, time-intensive project. But I, I honestly think we got super-duper lucky really, you know, so like all of those relationships ended up shifting and changing, right? So like, yeah, my partner that I was living with, we ended up breaking up, you know, us as a triad ended up breaking up, you know, Emily's now been in a monogamous relationship for several years, Jason and I are still together, but still date other people, you know, so, so along with getting this creative project off the ground, like we had to almost immediately navigate a lot of relationship drama in mm-hmm. the midst of also like, okay, I guess we'll write an episode about communication or something this week, you know, (laughs) as we're sorting all these things out. And I do think that it's just a situation where it would have been really easy to just all go our separate ways, right? Or to abandon the podcast altogether. I feel like it's hard enough to run a podcast, even if you're all getting along, much less when there's relationship tension and drama and things kicking off. But somehow we got through it. And I mean, talking about relationships and communication every single week for nine years now probably helps, has helped with that. But yeah, as Emily said, now the rest is history. Yeah. And I wonder, like, what do you think was most helpful for each of you to get through navigating that? I mean, I guess it's in the book a little bit, right? But like, what kind of helped you navigate that? Because that's a lot of a lot of roles to play with each other. I would say that kind of two things. One is just that we were lucky enough that, you know, our personalities and our values and things aligned enough that it was worth going through that and that made it work. Uh, But I'd say, honestly, the other one, you know, we always joke that the way to make your relationship work is to do a podcast about relationships every week. 
but I think the reality of it is just that we invested time in not just doing the communicating, but also thinking about how we're doing it. How could we be doing it better? Mm-hmm. You know, how could we continually be improving that? And when we're having trouble, instead of just getting frustrated and angry, or maybe after we get frustrated and angry, then going, okay, is there research about this? Are there resources about this? Have other people dealt with this? What can we learn and what can we adapt from you know, a lot of the knowledge out there that might not apply to our relationship directly, but the advice might still be useful or some of those findings might be useful. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, that spirit is what's in the book, like you mentioned. It's that idea of no matter what kind of relationship you're in, how can you be thinking about how we always make it better? How are we constantly improving, constantly finding better ways to communicate so that we can get through those hard times and then also get to have much better good times? Well, and I like what you said too, because it's not, not that everyone has to actually make a podcast for the relationship, but, uh, you know, go for it. Uh, but the idea that you're putting effort and energy into this thing and actually spending time each week checking in about it. And that's like one of the main tools that you talk about in your book, which is this radar framework. Um, mm. what is the radar framework and why is it so crucial? I guess I'll take a crack at it. So RADAR is an acronym. I mean, it's already an acronym, um, but we made it into a new acronym. So it's basically... it's. Well, I guess formula. it's also just a word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 We um, created RADAR. Yes. Yeah, we invented <laughs> RADAR. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so essentially, it stands for review, agree the agenda, discuss action points and reconnect. And this is our formula for having a regular relationship check-in. And That may or may not be on a podcast. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this all started, we wanted to create some kind of tool that was like a ritual that could be repeated. That was something that also included non-traditional relationships as well. And so kind of the whole point of it is is sort of like regular relationship maintenance, right? So it serves a couple of different functions. One of them being that you set aside like a specific time and place. Usually we recommend that people do this once a month, but people do adjust accordingly to busy lives and busy schedules. And this idea idea being that at least once a month, we have this dedicated time and space for checking up, checking in on our relationship, right? So an important part of that is we include a particular list of topics. So everything from money, sex, family relationships, future plans, things like that, quality time. So that even if things are feeling pretty good in your relationship, you still have an opportunity to be giving feedback, to be talking about what's working and what's not. Are there things that we want to change, right? Are there particular action points that we want to put in place to make sure that we're actually affecting change instead of just talking about making changes and then never getting around to them? Mm. And so, you know, radars are this really wonderful ritual for like just making sure that there's not like problem backlog is what we call it, where, you know, things are not being attended to, maybe little annoyances or little resentments that start small, but then snowball over time until there's an explosion. And maybe it gets sorted out in the explosion, but I think we'd all rather not have to deal with the explosion in order to resolve some of those things, right? So it's not only sort of like, prophylactic and preventative, but it's also creating a space so that you can be talking about the things you want to build in your relationship, right? So is it like, hey, I'm interested in cohabiting. What are your thoughts and feelings about that? Or maybe it's, I'm interested in not cohabiting. Can we talk about that and how that affects our relationship? So, you know, obviously we do a much deeper dive in the book, but that's sort of a little bit of a a nutshell version of what Radar is. Jason, is there anything that I missed there that you feel like is an important piece? Just one piece I usually like to bring up for non-monogamous people is that it also gives you a place to have some of those conversations about the other people that you're dating or interested in or something like that, where sometimes that can be a tricky thing to figure out. Like, oh, when do I bring it up? Do I say this thing as soon as I'm home from a date? Do I have to stop in the middle of something with another partner to text my other partner about what's happening? Or do I wait? Now have I waited too long? Has it gotten weird? And so the idea is that you have you know, one of the topics during the radar check-in is talking about your other partners. 
Mm-hmm. So that's where you kind of get to give those little updates. And maybe there's some you need to give as they come, but that kind of, oh, how are things going with your other partner? Maybe that's not something we talk about that often, but it's good to get an update of, how are you feeling in that relationship? How's that going? And so that's something that I find really valuable, especially for non-monogamy as well. I was actually talking to my uh, voice teacher yesterday about the book a little bit, and she asked, is the book only for people in romantic relationships? And I said no, and I also used Radar sort of as an example of that, because I think that people in friendships, people who choose to be solo polyamory people who choose, you know, to just be single, you can use it with a variety of people in your life. Like for instance, a roommate, you might want to have a radar with them every single month to kind of have a state of the union, see what's going on, see if there are things that can be improved. If there's any little annoyances that you're keeping to yourself that maybe you should be addressing in some way, you can do it with your parents. You can do it with friends, any of the above. I think it's such a great tool because it's not just for people in romantic relationships. You can use it with a variety of people in your life. Yeah. And I wonder for you, Emily, so you're in more monogamous setup now. Do you feel like you are better? I don't want to say better then, but like better (laughs) at being monogamous than maybe you would have been if you had done more non-monogamy? Because I think, you know, something that a lot of non-monogamous folks talk about is like, it does sort of force you in some ways that to have these conversations or you can't hide from it as easily maybe as folks in traditional setups can. So do you think it's made it like better for you? I think I have been able to sort of see behind the curtain of other side of, you know, doing things in relationships. Yeah. And it's nice because I know for one thing that I am a person who needs autonomy in a variety of ways. And I think that non-monogamy really is a champion of that in a variety of ways, because you, you're, you should be continually working on yourself and bettering yourself and, and making yourself interesting and, and hopefully exciting to the people around you. And a lot of times in monogamy, you know, we're taught like, well, you're partnered now, so you're good. That's it. And I don't really agree with that sentiment. And so I hope that I'm continuing, especially with this podcast, to to better myself in my relationship and my communication skills as well. And I also think that in monogamy, I'm not um, only prioritizing that relationship, but also trying to prioritize other relationships around me as well. So relationships with my mom, with my best friends, you know, two of who are Jason Dedeker and, and others as well. I think that all of that is really something that non-monogamy has taught me. And hopefully all of those things mean that I am better in my monogamous partnership. I guess you'd have to also ask my partner, but <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I'd like to think that I, I definitely think that'll, that non-monogamy, there's so many things from it that, you know, can be taught and given to those in monogamous relationships as well. Yeah. Well, and just because we have the tools doesn't mean we can, doesn't mean we use them all the time. And we all, I mean, the three of us talk about that a lot, that we all fail constantly, you know, no, even, <laughs> yeah, even though we talk about this stuff on a weekly basis and yeah. it's so part of our lives, we're still struggling through it all. And mm-hmm. that's just probably what we're ha- going to have to do for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Jace, you mentioned, um, this experience of like, you know, what these kind of conversations uh, can do, but also talking about like that it allows for you not to have to be like, oh, when should we talk about this? When do y'all think it's information that like, quote unquote, I mean, there's no shoulds, but like, how do you know for yourself if this is a check-in that needs to happen right now, or if it's a check-in that would be good for like a radar check-in that's a little more scheduled, a little more um, routinized, a little more, um, ritualistic. Um, yeah. How, how do you decide for yourself what it's like? We need to check in now versus like, I can wait until our check-in time for this. I think this is one of those things that really changes as your relationship changes and you get more accustomed to non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. So one example would be, you know, early on, say you've been in mostly monogamous relationships and you're just trying out polyamory or relationship anarchy or something non-monogamous. You want it now. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like, I want to know right away if my partner had sex with somebody else because I'm freaking out about it. I'm nervous about it. I don't know how I'll react to it or feeling like, oh, if I'm keeping that from them, that's a big deal. Oh, we've, we've got to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Versus now, for example, with my relationship with Dedeker, uh, you know, if she recently started dating someone new, and I was kind of like, I think they probably had sex during this one trip that they had, you know, for, for the first time since getting together. But I'm fine to wait till our radar because, oh, oh, you know, whatever. It's not a big thing that I'm concerned about because of the amount of history that we have and the amount of comfort that we have with each other. So that's, I think, an example of something that a radar would be a great place to talk about how frequently you want to know those things and like what are things that should be urgently told yeah. versus what are things that we can wait till the next radar to talk about. But having that way to check in on that and talk to each other, I think is important because you might have very different opinions about it from each other. Well, and the amount maybe you're able to self-regulate, right? The better able you are to do yeah. this and to self-regulate yourself, I think the longer you can wait and not that you should like force yourself to white knuckle something that needs to be talked about more urgently, but I think things become less urgent when you're feeling more regulated and less frenetic, obviously. I think that's the key is that, yeah, things become less urgent feeling and less scary feeling just as you get more experience and build more trust and communication with your partner. Mm-hmm. But it, it adjusts over time. And maybe maybe you suddenly are going to start dating more and it's like, hey, we should check in more often on this just so that we can know what's going on uh, versus times where, okay, I've got my pretty established relationships now. Maybe we don't need to check in as often, but definitely adjust it and tweak it to what feels good for both of you. Hey, slutty scholars, remember the more you support the advertisers, the more you support the podcast. If you can't tell, I love to advertise things that I hope will help you find more pleasure in your life. I'm excited to share my collaboration right now with Back to the Body, and there's a discount for you in the episode description. Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Their retreats are in some amazing places like Hawaii, France, and Costa Rica. Uh, If y'all remember my episode with Pamela Madsen, uh, we talk about my awesome experience at a back-to-the-body retreat. So you can check it out and hear a little bit about what it's like. Pamela and her team at Back to the Body use their expertise to guide you through a transformative whole body healing journey that's individually tailored to fit your specific needs. To find yourself, you just have to bring your body. The new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women is a cool chance to learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz and unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's Back to the Body, B-A-C-K-T-O. T-H-E-B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description, plus that special discount code for their retreats. And on the subject of pleasure, how about some more absolutely free stuff? Well, it is my birthday next Friday, June 2nd, and I want to invite you to a free live event that I will be speaking at. I am partnering with Katie Sampaio, founder of Thrive Life Coaching and Transformational Retreats, and nine other incredible experts at the Thriving in Purpose Live virtual masterclass on Friday, June 2nd. You can sign up at Rebrand dot ly slash sluts underscore scholars but don't worry the link is in the episode description so come celebrate with me as i talk about sex magic aka using pleasure as a way to create the life you want and increase confidence and it's not just magic as you hopefully know from listening to my show research shows that having a pleasure or play practice has a multitude of benefits that are necessary to our well-being and our survival Do you want to learn more and dive a little deeper with me? Make sure to snag your free spot in the Thriving in Purpose Masterclass on Friday, June 2nd, my birthday. I'll be speaking at this event again with nine other powerful experts to teach you in just one day how to create a life filled with more purpose, joy, connection, and more. If you are ready to tap into your true power and stealth boldly into a purpose-driven life that excites you, snag your free spot at rebrand.ly slash sluts underscore scholars. That's rebrand.ly backslash sluts underscore scholars. But don't worry, the link is in that episode description, and I'm excited to see you live on Friday, June 2nd. Now to the episode. 
Nicoletta, I appreciate you bringing up just the concept of urgency here because I do think that it is a skill determining how urgent something actually is to bring to your partner, right? Mm. Because yeah. sometimes, I think especially in the moment, if something's happened that's irritated me or has activated me in some way and I'm feeling worked up or upset or something like that, you know, of course, my nervous system is telling me it's all urgent. All of it is urgent. All of it right now, right? Yeah. And sometimes that is true. Sometimes it truly is. Hold on. Stop the presses. We really need to sit down and talk about this right in this moment. And other times, it's just my nervous system kicking off, right? And so I know Jason and I have both had this experience with radars where like sometimes, you know, so we both kind of keep some like separate like notes on our phones about, you know, stuff we want to talk about during our next check-in, right? And so I've definitely had the experience of in the moment, I'm like, oh my God, he did this thing. I'm so annoyed when he does that. I hate it when he does it. And like, you know, writing out all these notes, right? You know, long, long notes. And then by the time I actually get to the radar a week later, two weeks later, I'll pull up my notes and be like, oh, actually, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just kind of, I felt this particular type of way when you did that thing, you know? And so it's not like in the moment I just come in with all this sound and fury and just like vomit all my emotions onto my partner. Like I have that built-in buffer, right? Mm -hmm. Where I have a place to put my feelings in the moment, you know, I write them down. But then when the time comes, when we actually talk about it in the radar, I'm able to talk about it in a much more measured and calm way, Mm -hmm. right? And again, that is a skill, right? Because this could very easily go the opposite way where I'm pissed off, I'm annoyed, I'm angry, and then I just stay angry and resentful and annoyed until we get to our radar. And in that case, I'm like, I I don't think that's a very effective check-in, right? If you're not able to just like be civil and compassionate and loving in the in-between. But if you are, if it really is like, I just need to get through this particular moment of annoyance because I know we're going to talk about it in a more productive way, then it makes that a little bit easier, I think. Mm. What do you think has been most helpful for each of you to better self-regulate or like manage those urgent feelings um, in your relationship exploration? We have another chapter in our book called Chewers and Spewers, Uh and that's basically a chapter talking about internal and external processing. And I'm definitely an external processor. I like to talk things out. A spewer? A spewer, yes, for sure. (laughs) And that, I think, is something that Jace and I are more of, whereas Dedeker is definitely more of a chewer. Somehow Uh, I end up dating all spewers. Yeah. All spewers all the time. (laughs) I don't know how that is. But my partner is also definitely a chewer. And I will say that in, in from dating him for so long, I've learned how to understand his emotional processing style. And it is rubbed off on me to a degree because I am able to now go if I'm if I'm having a really big moment of you know, upset or resentment or something, I am able to kind of go and and quietly think about it, quietly emotionally regulate for a minute and just give myself a second to stop and maybe halt or take care of something or, you know, take a walk, do something external so that my internal body and heart kind of simmer down for a second. And just being able to take that moment and learn that that's a a thing that I need to give him that time so that I also can maybe give myself the gift of slowing down and taking a moment instead of just spewing out something that might not Mm. be exactly the way that I want to say it or not as nice as it could be because I'm upset in the moment. I think that's something that I've learned over time, which has been really, really beneficial to me. We recently recorded a two-parter episode that was called 50 Ways to Handle Jealousy. And now we titled it because that's the better SEO. But the reality is that everything we covered is really about emotional regulation, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be about jealousy. And especially because feelings of jealousy can actually be feelings of sadness, loneliness, anger, frustration, all of those things, right? Yeah, it's kind of this blanket term that we use. I feel uncomfortable. Yes. And so we, you know, just kind of brain dumped 50 different tools and categorized them or kind of broke them up into these rough categories, you know, because you have the tools that are maybe more related to calming down your body, right? Mm -hmm. So the stuff about going to take a walk or doing some exercise or, 
or you know something that's going to help your body to calm down versus yeah. moments where it may be more of a brain thing more of like a cbt approach about like the story that you're telling yourself in the moment that's that's encouraging you to kind of keep those emotions activated versus if it's something that's actually related to the relationship the attachment is this like a co-regulating thing or actually you need to turn to a partner to help you stabilize and come back down to earth and things like that and then we also had a little bit of a catch-all category that was a little bit more related to like tools like for your spirit for your heart more related to like meaning making i suppose in the situation mm-hmm. and yeah so i mean the important thing at least for me was just having a big list of tools i think is so helpful because one day I may have some big, heavy, difficult emotions come up. And on that day, yeah, going for a vigorous 20-minute walk is what helps. But then the next day, maybe that doesn't help anymore. Or mm-hmm. or maybe it's not helping the way that I should. And so having something else to reach for in the moment, I know for me, is really helpful to feel like I have a variety of options. Maybe this isn't the most uh, like encouraging answer for someone who's just struggling with this right now, but I think that practice is something that's made a big difference over time. Yeah. And what I mean by that is practice with communicating with your partner. So say you have that situation like Emily described where, you know, okay, I'm, I'm upset about something, I'm feeling some strong feelings. And if I take some time to you know, calm myself down, get my thoughts in order. I, I like to do writing, you know, maybe I'll write out by hand, you know, kind of what I'm feeling so I can organize my thoughts. And then I talk to my partner about it, maybe right then, or maybe later at a radar. And if that goes well, you know, even if it's a difficult conversation, but I feel like we got somewhere and we came away from it, understanding each other better and felt like my partner does have my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. then that over time starts to build up that feeling of, I know that I'm safe to do this and that it's going to go well. You know, Maybe it doesn't go well all the time, but if more often than not, that conversation goes well, that can decrease the amount of you know, stress and anxiety going in. Even if I have a strong feeling right away, I'm able to more quickly come down from that because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, but I know, and I'll sometimes have to talk myself through that if I'm really worked up about something. It's like, okay, I know this is something that, you know, we've dealt with stuff like this before. Yeah. And we'll talk about it and it'll be fine, even if I'm still kind of mad about it or sad about it or scared or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause you have some like corrective healing experiences to, for your, your body and your system to know that it's like safe to go yeah. there. Yeah. And I would take it even a step further to say that then you know, that's especially good within that relationship. But also if you start having that experience of what good, healthy, helpful communication is in a relationship, that then in your other relationships after that one, or maybe at the same time as that one, you are able to still have that sense of, oh, I know this is going to be fine. And if it doesn't and repeatedly doesn't, then that also gives you the clue of like, ah, this is not a good relationship for me to be in. Mm. I should get out of this. But I think So many of us, because we don't have really good models of what healthy communication looks like, just in general, in any kind of relationship, that we'll often put up with a lot of bad communication from ourselves and from our partners. Mm -hmm. And so I think that once you start being intentional about it and have those experiences of what this can look like when it's good, it just makes everything feel more manageable and easier. And when it's not going well, you kind of have a sense of, oh, that might just be this relationship might not be right for us rather than, oh, I'm broken or, oh, this is always how it has to be. Or, oh, I guess love is suffering. I guess they, you know, they told me that. And so that must be true, whatever it is. I think that, so not just within the relationship, but also within yourself, that can make a big difference once you have that experience. Yeah, this makes me think of a, another topic and Dedeker, I think you were the one who mentioned like co-regulating. And so I think for this question, I just want to preface it by saying like, if you ask many different non-traditional relationship styles or non-monogamous people or, or monogamous people, they're probably all going to have maybe different answers. So I don't think there's an objective truth to this. And when do you think co-reg- the desire for co-regulation becomes controlling? Um, Mm. and I guess to specify what I mean here, just to give an example, like, let's say, um, 
I'm dating somebody new and uh, my partner is having some feelings about it. We get to our radar check-in and they're like, this person, you know, you hanging out with this person with this amount of frequency is giving me these feelings and they're starting to share that with you. Um, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's such a common question, right? And, you know... It- Again, it is the cop-out answer, but we have to get it out of the way to say it. it's going to really <laughs> depend on your relationship. It's going to depend yeah. on what's acceptable to you as far as how much to or to not compromise within your relationship. I guess maybe imagining a relationship goes. that's like just starting to open up a little bit more, right? And sure. sort of figure out like, do we want to have things like veto power? Do we want, you know, mm. certain things here? How much do we want autonomy versus rules and boundaries or feeling mm-hmm, control? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, how much do we rely on our partner for co-regulation to be like, don't do that thing that's making sure. me feel this way. Yes. And when does mm. that become like controlling versus maybe like a healthy healing way to regulate together? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think about similarly to what you're talking about with pleasure, I think about expanding the palate, right? Mm-hmm. So that co-regulating is not just about, do you do what I say or not? You know, if you're doing something that brings up feelings in me and I tell you to Don't stop, do, it. do you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, sure, that could be very co-regulating for sure. It could be very regulating to have that sense, especially with a new relationship. Well, not just with a new relationship, with any relationship, I would hope that if it's a healthy relationship, you know, both of you are able to come to the table feeling like, okay, we can be on the same team. We can identify what our shared values are here. And we can use this as an opportunity to experiment, right? So again, I mean, maybe you do have the shared value of like, yeah, veto power is for us. So even though I maybe have feelings about you telling me I can't date someone or telling me I have to stop dating someone, I know that this is a shared value in our relationship. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop dating them, right? And I can weave that into my own narrative about how, yes, this is for the health of the relationship. And ultimately, this is a positive choice, right? And many, many people do that. But you know, maybe the two of you have a shared value of, ooh, even though this is hard, I still want to make sure that you have the freedom to go date and explore the way that you want. I want to make sure that we're able to help each other feel safe. And so what are the things that we can try that will accomplish both of those things at once, right? So let's experiment with this. Can we experiment with how we communicate when you're out on a date? Can we experiment with you know, after you come back from a date, the way that we reconnect, can we experiment with the level of disclosure information that I get about the people that you're dating or when you're going on a date? And again, this is another place where having a regular check-in or a regular radar is really helpful because it lets you really treat it like an experiment, right? Like, okay, so we spent these last two weeks where I shared X, Y, and Z level of information about who I'm going on a date with to see if maybe that helped you feel a little bit more included, a little bit more secure. How did that go? Did it work well? Did it not work well? Do we want to try something different next time? Right? And so I think what takes the control out of it is the collaboration. Right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to prevent yourself from ever having difficult feelings. It doesn't mean you're going to prevent yourself from ever feeling the urge to control because I think the urge to control someone else is a very natural human thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that it's like being able to meet each other as a team for it to be less of that me versus you or me having to dictate your behavior and more of a can we experiment together is, you know, probably a healthier pathway and maybe has more of those red flags, pink flags, green flags that let you know, are we heading down the direction of just coercion and control? Something that we talk a lot on the show about is to get really curious about what it is internally that you're really looking for if you're having feelings along those lines and if you're having the urge to potentially do something external to your partner to say, don't do this because this is making me have a reaction, but instead to question what is it that I really want from my partner is it, am I upset because they're going on more dates than I am? But what I'm really looking for is not necessarily to go on more dates, but to spend more quality time with my partner, to do something that makes me feel loved and admired by them in a way that perhaps I feel like I'm not getting at this moment. And what would that look like? How can we, again, like Dudiger said, collaborate in that way mm-hmm. so that it's not 
it's looking internal rather than trying to fix something that may or may not actually make you happy. I think we tend to fall on the party line of like veto power is probably not something that we advocate for, although clearly some people may be for that and may be okay with that. And that may be the best thing for them. But I do agree with what Dedeker said that that collaboration is really wonderful. And also doing that internal work when you can of what am I really longing for here, as opposed to what is it that I need to do to limit my partner's actions so that I don't feel upset or hurt by something. And just for if there's any new listeners, um, I'll put some links below where you can find out more about this. But veto power, if you don't know what that is, is basically in a relationship, if you're agreeing that one or the other person can say no to maybe a a new person, partner experience. Um, So instead of being like, oh, I'm going to go date this new person and your partner just expressing their feelings, but not like making an ask of you, it might be like, well, I'm not okay with you hooking up with these particular people on this list or somebody that you work with or um, yeah, being able to veto that new person or experience. Is that right? Did I, anything you would add to that? It's interesting you add that that second part there, because usually when people talk about veto, it's more, it more shows up as this, I reserve the right that if you're ever in a relationship that I just think is a problem, I can veto it. And then Mm. no questions asked, you have to end it, Mm. which is, as we've kind of been hinting at, generally speaking, will always go badly. Yeah, uh, it's it's not only not going to actually get you what you want, but it's also going to hurt your relationship with your partner. And it's like basically, and, yeah, it's never the protection that people think it is. Uh, from from my experience, seeing people do this and talking to lots of people about it, um, so generally we would not recommend it. So I don't want our you know don't want your listeners to think that we're saying, <laughs> hey, this is a cool new option. You should yeah, try. yeah. But I'm glad <laughs> you said your definition too, because this is this would be an opportunity for something that you might do in a in a radar check in is like right. how do you define <laughs> these things, right? Because yeah. if I think it's one thing and you think it's another thing, and we're both speaking this different language, and then hurt happens, mm-hmm. which it, it, it's going to happen because you're different people. Um, you get to sort of define that, and I know y'all have a great chapter too on like when hurt does happen, because Mm -hmm. even with the best knowledge and skills and tools, there are going to be ruptures and um, then you're able to make a nice healing repair. Um, So Mm -hmm. you have, you offer some tools and skills for that too. Yeah. 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 So the repair shop model is one that I absolutely love. And it's so funny um, on an interview we were doing earlier this week, we got asked like, which of these tools do you struggle with? the most. And the repair shop tool is the one that I personally struggle with the most, even though professionally, I use it with my clients all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when I'm working with couples who, you know, maybe they had a fight last week and sure the fight ended and life has rolled on, but we haven't had a chance to actually sit down and figure out what did that mean? How did that happen? How, you know, what are the ways that we can maybe prevent that particular communication breakdown from happening in the future? So yeah, you know, the repair shop model is this four-step framework where each person gets an opportunity to sort of lay out the story or the narrative from their perspective of what happened in the communication breakdown. They get to talk about their personal history. So the stuff that got triggered in that particular breakdown or where their head was at or just the feelings that came up. Both people get an opportunity to take ownership for their part of the communication breakdown, even if it's just a small part of it. You know, So it's not necessarily about forcing someone to take the blame or forcing these big sweeping apologies if you don't mean it. But it's like finding the ways that you know, you contributed or talking about the things you wish that had gone differently in that conversation. And then the last step is about prevention, is about, okay, what did we learn from this breakdown, from this argument? What are ways that we could do this better in the future? What are some things that we could put in place to try? So again, I think this is a really helpful framework because of the fact that, again, I think we can get lulled into this weird, almost like a false sense of repair where we have a fight or we have a heated disagreement and, and then the intensity passes and it's yes, done the intensity passes like maybe mm. we maybe we do the right thing of like we take a break we take a walk we come back together when we're less calm but then we don't really talk about it again right. and maybe there's some disagreements where that's okay you know maybe maybe we can just be like yeah i totally lost my cool then that's all that happened and now we can roll along but often 
there's an opportunity. There's lessons to be learned. There's a sense of, okay, literally just what do we learn from this? And what can we do differently the next time around? Whether it's about the content of the argument or just about the context of the argument, right? Is it... Yeah, um, we totally shouldn't have discussions about money after it's 10 o'clock and we're already in bed, right? And that's what we're going to take away. And so that's what we're going <laughs> to enact the next time around is to remind ourselves of that. So last question before we wrap up, like our podcast, your podcast, the book, like there are so many great resources out there and so many awesome things that you talk about in it. And any tips for like actually integrating these things? into folks' lives. And I guess said in a different way, like it's hard to actually practice this stuff. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any uh-huh. tips for like actually doing the things that could help? Cause like, you know, even when you know all the stuff or have the the logic for it, it's hard to actually integrate when you've been doing things a different way. Anything that's been helpful for y'all in actually making the time or committing to like changing your practice and using some of these tools. Oh, I feel like I give 600, but I I will say so one of the tropes of our show is like when we give something quote unquote the multi-amory treatment basically means making another freaking acronym. You know, we have too many acronyms. We have a lot of acronyms if you if That'll you solve we have it. just the right amount, Dedeker. <laughs> well, so, but I think the thinking behind it is yeah, it, it is hard to affect change. It is hard to break patterns. It's great if you can afford, you know, if you have the money and the time to afford, you know, going to see a therapist, going to see a couples therapist, someone who can really take your hand and guide you through some of these things. But even, but even if then can, people yeah, struggle even to that, integrate because yeah. they're like, exactly. I'll just do it for this 50 minutes and, and exactly. that'll be enough. Yeah. Even right. then it's hard, right? Because you still have to live the rest of your life, not in the therapist's <laughs> right. office. And so right. I know for me... It, it can be so silly, but literally just having an acronym, there's something about it, like something about taking a topic or a process or a framework that can be so complicated and so nuanced and being able to simplify it into this little package where in the moment when my heart is racing and I'm sweating and my blood is boiling, I can at least remember, oh, halts. Okay. You know, the whole hungry, angry, lonely, tired, six, whatever it is, right? That can for my brain anyway, that can cut through some of that noise to at least be something to grab onto, at least be a little branch to grab onto on the way down the cliff, as it were. You know, that at the very least, even if it doesn't act like a magic bullet that solves everything, if it can at least slow me down and remind me there is a different way to do this. And again, maybe it takes me until after the fight to really realize, yeah, there was a better way I could have done that. But over time at least for me, like that starts to become a little bit more second nature. So for me, kind of having a bunch of silly acronyms is actually really helpful because of the nature, I think, of the nervous system and what's easy or difficult for our brains to remember when we're super activated. Jason Dedeker both said this, but definitely practice is a big thing. If you get the opportunity with a partner or with someone that you've been with for a while to just keep trying to integrate these things over and over again, Mm -hmm. I do think that eventually it starts to stick more and more. And our book does come with homework assignments in every single chapter, which was intentional because we do want the opportunity for people to get to try it and try it again and try it again and do it again because it does take us a while to really have it stick, I think. And the other thing is metacommunication, which we talk about all over the book. And that's just communicating about the way that you communicate. And if you can get really granular and really like, you know, over communicate in these scenarios the our our first tool in the chat or in the book is the triforce of communication chapter and that's just setting up really easy simple ways to talk about what it is that you need out of a conversation so i just need to get something off my chest i really want love and support from you in this moment or i, really want I need advice yeah. Yes, or I need advice, mm-hmm. which is the thing that so many of us just jump to immediately. But instead of going there, say, no, like really, truly, all I need from you right now is just to listen. That's it. Nothing else. And to be able to say that to someone and for somebody else to hear it and actually do it is extremely powerful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So if you can be over, I guess, overabundant in your communication and really specific 
I think that's huge and and a really great first step in terms of integration. I would just add one last thing to all this, which is just to remind people that you deserve to have partners who are also willing to do this work with you. And if you're the only one doing it, yeah, you'll make some improvements and you'll learn some things, but you're only going to get so far trying to reach out from just one side of the street. Yeah. Um, so just to remind people that you you deserve that and everybody deserves that, that should be like base level relationship. That's not like, oh, the ideal relationship is one where we communicate with each other. It's like, no, this should be <laughs> base level here. And I know that sounds funny to say, but so many of us in our pasts, you know, of the three of us have had that. And we see other people talk about it too, of just, oh, well, that'd be nice if I had that, but oh, that must just be kind of this magical type of relationship or, oh, you just got so lucky. And it's like, Mm. no, actually we can all have that. That is pretty base level there to just have a willingness to communicate and to work together as a team in terms of maintaining our relationship and improving it. Totally. Hey, Slutty Scholars, remember the more you support the advertisers, the more you support the podcast. If you can't tell, I love to advertise things that I hope will help you find more pleasure in your life. I'm excited to share my collaboration right now with Back to the Body, and there's a discount for you in the episode description. Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Their retreats are in some amazing places like Hawaii, France, and Costa Rica. Uh, If y'all remember my episode with Pamela Madsen, uh, we talk about my awesome experience at a Back to the Body retreat. So you can check it out and hear a little bit about what it's like. Pamela and her team at Back to the Body use their expertise to guide you through a transformative whole body healing journey that's individually tailored to fit your specific needs. To find yourself, you just have to bring your body. The new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women is a cool chance to learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz and unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's Back to the Body, B-A-C-K-T-O, T-H-E-B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description, plus that special discount code for their retreats. And on the subject of pleasure, how about some more absolutely free stuff? Well, it is my birthday next Friday, June 2nd, and I want to invite you to a free live event that I will be speaking at. I am partnering with Katie Sampaio, founder of Thrive Life Coaching and Transformational Retreats, and nine other incredible experts at the Thriving in Purpose Live virtual masterclass on Friday, June 2nd. You can sign up at rebrand dot ly slash sluts underscore scholars but don't worry the link is in the episode description so come celebrate with me as i talk about sex magic aka using pleasure as a way to create the life you want and increase confidence and it's not just magic as you hopefully know from listening to my show research shows that having a pleasure or play practice has a multitude of benefits that are necessary to our well-being and our survival Do you want to learn more and dive a little deeper with me? Make sure to snag your free spot in the Thriving in Purpose Masterclass on Friday, June 2nd, my birthday. I'll be speaking at this event again with nine other powerful experts to teach you in just one day how to create a life filled with more purpose, joy, connection, and more. If you are ready to tap into your true power and stealth boldly into a purpose-driven life that excites you, snag your free spot at rebrand.com dot ly slash sluts underscore scholars that's rebrand dot ly backslash sluts underscore scholars but don't worry the link is in that episode description and i'm excited to see you live on friday june 2nd now to the episode well if folks want to start practicing now how can they follow what you're doing get in touch buy your book um all the things so you can go to multiamory.com slash book. Uh, we are having some fun in-person events to celebrate our book. Uh, one is going to be on May 24th, the day after the book comes out in Seattle, Washington. And then we're also having one the next week, May 30th in Los Angeles, California. So you can go again to multiamory.com slash book and check out those events. You can also pre-order the book there. Or if you're listening to this after the book has come out, 
go check the book out as well. And then multiamory underscore podcast for Instagram and then multiamory on Twitter and Facebook. Amazing. And thank you listeners. If you want to follow what I'm doing on Instagram, uh, sluts and scholars on Twitter, slut scholars, you can listen anywhere. Uh, you get your podcasts, please don't forget to rate and review. If you enjoy what you are listening to and check out those advertiser discounts, because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast and check out pleasure podcast network, which multi Emery is a part of, uh, we have Woo. so many awesome shows. Um, Emily J. Stedeker, thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. And thank you for being another person out there helping to give great advice and information to people. Trying to integrate it for myself too. <laughs> yeah. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. 